So we're rolling. Cool. We are live. This is You're Doing It Wrong with Mark Henderson Leary, and my name is Mark. And I have a passion that you should feel in control of your life. And so what I do is I help you get control of your business. And part of how I do that is by letting you listen in on a conversation between two people who have a passion for excellence in the entrepreneurial world who are talking about a subject you probably already know something about. But this time, we're going deep. We're really getting into the nuts and bolts and nitty gritty so we can help you unlock those parts where you're confused and so you can start breaking through those barriers and break through your ceiling and really get what you want out of your business and ultimately from your life. And so before we jump in, I always have to remind you, please subscribe. Please share with your friends. Please give us some feedback. It, it is maddeningly slow to move that forward and it helps so much and we're grateful for everybody who's done that so far. And so I want to welcome my guest. I'm so excited today because we've had some, such good conversations uh, leading up to this. But John Chen is the extreme leader of his company, Geoteaming, which means he climbs mountains, walks on fire, swims with dolphins, believe it or not, rides Harleys and snowboards out of helicopters. And John is really, truly a thought leader on developing highly, function, highly functioning, engaged corporate teams and, and is really an expert which is so critical right now, an expert on digital team building. And so, John, I got to ask, uh, is swimming with dolphins truly extreme? I kind of feel like, um, uh, what was it? Oh, oh I think there's uh, uh, one of the movies and they had those guys, extreme! Do you know what I'm talking about? Those guys yeah, who yeah. had a big four-wheel drive. Um, so, yeah, f- swimming with dolphins is extreme in a different way. And I'll tell you the short story around it. So, um, Mark, have you ever been to uh, Hawaii? I have. Yeah. Have you ever been to two-step on the big island? No. So two-step is called two-step because somebody carved two steps in the lava. And like you can jump in and go um, uh, snorkeling and then come out and step on two steps and you're out of the water. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Now, one time we went there for breakfast. So we cooked breakfast. And after we were done with breakfast 30 minutes later, so, you, know, you know, safety third, uh, we went um, <laughs> swimming. And so we went snorkeling. And, and we see that it's amazing. You jump in and it's beautiful and it's amazing. It's just like, you know, Jacques Cousteau. And then all of a sudden, uh, you keep hearing in the background, you hear, ah, 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 ah. and I'm like, man, I am having flashbacks of that show called Flipper. And, and some people don't know what Flipper is, but it, obviously it's a show about dolphins. And, and I keep going and we haven't seen anything. So we're about tired, ready to come back in. And, and I look around, I pop up and I go, man, there are some people out there. Can we just swim out there before we come in and check out what's going on? So she goes, I'm with somebody. She goes, yeah, sure. So we swim out there. And then all of a sudden, Mark, 50 dolphins in the wild. <laughs> dolphins and baby dolphins with their mom. Wow. And I don't know about you, but I have swam with dolphins like at the resort and all that other okay, stuff, okay, yeah. which is a cool experience. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I've read the documentaries and all this stuff, but this was in the wild. Yeah. And I had a GoPro camera on a stick, like 36-inch stick, and the dolphins came so close. They, they come up and they like look at your eye. They're looking at the camera right in the eye. like It's literally two inches from their eye looking at the camera curiously. And that experience changed me. Really? And, yeah, it just... You said extreme, and that's extreme. Yeah, yeah. It's ex- extreme to get in touch with nature in that way. Um, you know, I've heard stories about people who, who get to swim with dolphins every day. But for me, that's the only time I've ever gotten to swim with dolphins in the wild. And, uh, yeah, I won't forget it. Uh, so I give you a hard time about swimming with dolphins because dolphins <laughs> doesn't sound like walking on fire. But I actually swam with dolphins in Brazil in the, um, See? Uh, in the, in the Amazon. And they're the freshwater dolphins. And oh. they don't look real. They look 
I mean, if you've ever, if you've, many people don't even know they exist, yeah. freshwater dolphins, but they're pink, they're weird looking, and their teeth are black, and 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 it's <laughs> they're not good looking. They're they are not good looking. It sounds and like twenty twenty dolphins. <laughs> 2020 oh yeah right for the year for sure and i frankly you know dolphins don't sound scary i was terrified i i i, I, I was pretty sure i was going to be a headline guy from houston eaten by dolphins in the amazon <laughs> I, I was pretty sure that was how that was going to go so maybe maybe i'm just not that extreme but uh, but i appreciate that story because I, I love what that uh, the 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 picture of 50 dolphins in the in the ocean and and that's that's a lot that's a lot that's what i take in and realize that you're the minority in that situation you're a tiny little infinitesimal speck in the ocean and yeah and and it's you're in their house you are not in they are not in your house you are in their house and uh and it's just what they're playful we got to see some of the adolescents jump and and that just gives me to my other part in team building i'm really passionate around teams that are great play and these dolphins were playing, and you could feel their happiness and their connection to each other in the pod that they're in, and they're taking care of each other. And I don't know, all those things all put together um, are all the things that I experienced in that, that short amount of time I was in the water. Well, see, I love the polarity of the, of the introduction of walking on fire, and we're in, going to engage teams. And that, it sets the bar pretty high, right? We're, so we spend an awful lot of our life uh, in some sort of team format. Uh, yes. As a you know, leadership team, meeting, some form of meeting with our clients, our peers, or whatever. And 2020 has been a, we'll call it a shit show for meetings. <laughs> I use dumpster fire, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, uh, the dumpster fire was the debate a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> not that we're going to talk about politics, but... Uh, <laughs> We're going to break all our rules now, Mark, that we That's established. Right. We're going to do it. Okay. So let's, get, let's dig into religion. And so let's go there. <laughs> no, but seriously, so we, we have a high bar. But you and I both have a high bar for just life, right? And if we're going yes. to be entrepreneurial, we, want to, we have a high bar for our business, which means we need to have a high bar for our interactions on a day-to-day basis. And everybody I'm talking to has is had some major struggle. Uh, I've had people totally start to reject the virtual meetings that I've been doing. I've, had, I've been doing almost – really – 100% virtual meetings since March with no issues. And yeah. two weeks ago, like almost all my teams just said, I can't. I can't. I can't Zoom. I, don't, I can't do that anymore. I have to do in person. I have to do something different. And so people are starting to really have trauma as a result of, of trying to communicate. And that's just super tactical compared to I need my team to really be engaged in executing and loving their work at the highest level they've ever been. They've got to perform at their highest level. How are we going to do that now when people are starting to really have like systemic rejection to being virtual? Well, look at the alternatives, right? One is meet in person. And if you can do that safely, okay, but meeting in person, if you kind of at least do it to accord to the CDC guidelines, which I think at least you and I can both agree on, although this year is, is that we would have to be masked up or more than six feet or, you know, glass. Or, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. So um, I love what one of my um, uh, people I'm working with, he's an executive coach, and he says, you know, 12 feet, 12,000 rule. And I go, what the heck is that? And he goes, as soon as you're 12 feet away from each other, you might as well be 12,000 feet away and then treat it as such, right? Um, but I do believe that one thing that you're on to track here, Mark, is, is exactly what people are complaining about. And it's this everybody is starving for connection. Yeah, yeah. Starving for connection. And and unfortunately, this virtual uh, is not enough, right? So, like, I can reach out to this camera you yeah. and I have and, and try and touch you, but that's not the same as if it was in the face-to-face. And yet, 
the antithesis to this is that we are humans. And what I mean by that is we are designed to connect. And that we're used to one way, but there are multiple ways that you and I can connect. And one of the things I've been really passionate about um, ever since youth and what I uh, professionally looked at, I've been meeting online for 35 years. And during that time, I shifted one of my beliefs. The belief before you have is like, we can never do things like we could in face-to-face. We can't quite connect to the level that we can in face-to-face. And the belief, the new belief that I established along the way is that we can. It's possible. And what I mean by that is that you and I can connect to a certain level where you and I can either feel like we're connected, we can have an emotional connection, that we can be together. And um, I mean, if you look at some of the quantum physics pieces that says that we can connect. So let's see, uh, Mark, what state are you in? Houston or Texas. Uh, I'm in the state of confusion. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, so Houston, Texas, of course. And, and Mark and I met at Entrepreneurs Organization Texas, or Houston, or Texas, years ago. Um, is that from, even though we have at least four or 5,000 miles between us, that, that right now, well, hopefully by the end of this conversation, you and I will feel connected in a way. And uh, we established this in uh, probably 15 years ago. We had people just tell childhood stories to each other for a total of 20 minutes. Like I said one for 10, and you told me some stories for 10 minutes. And we did a study, and people, uh, statistically, we found on average people raised their level of trust by 20% with the other person. And that was the first light bulb, right? Boom, the light bulb goes on your head going, we can create connection and trust online on a video conference? This is a long time ago. Like, this is not really thought possible. But as soon as that light bulb went on, I've been working ever since that and looking to say, what can we do virtually and what can we do through technology that will allow us to feel this connected and do work and and, uh, do the amazing things that we do? So, And now everyone's doing it. Well, so everyone's doing it, but I think I've seen I'm seeing dramatically different experiences in terms of the reaction. Some people have have said something like, uh, "Nothing changed." <laughs> I've heard a few like, "I've always worked this way. All my clients are national. I, I don't really feel any different, and it's you know, it, it, nothing's changed." Uh, other people have completely systemically rejected it and felt totally out of uh, sorts. Maybe to the point where they never even adopted differences i've seen people just sort of refuse to accept it and they've kept meeting in person um and and uh, and some industries are more open to that if they were essential businesses or construction they had a lot of latitude to really not change the rules for that Uh, and then i think there's people in the middle ground some people who are like wow um i as it turns out i didn't really like having to go to those social events and and now i can stay at my house and and i'm happy to do that and then there are other people who are kind of like well this allows me to pick and choose and and i can do a lot more i can do a lot more now Uh, but i do think that there's something to understand between the some people who really have found a way to cut through um because I think my first early sessions, virtually eight hours, that doesn't sound possible. And then, you know, 20 later, you're like, well, this is very good. And some, some of these are even better. But there's still a group of people who are like, yeah, that was good. But, but, but for God's sake, please, I can't anymore. And so what's the difference? What's holding people back from getting the best out of a virtual experience? Uh, I'll go about this in a roundabout way. So the first one is is... Nothing changed. I'm going to start with the nothing changed people because it's a little bit easier, right? Everybody who's happy was already doing it. These are like remote workers. They're, they're gig economy people. They're, they already learned how to work out of their house or a cafe or mobile or from, from um, Madrid. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. 
they had already established that that I could work anywhere. So when they said I could work anywhere, nothing changed. And I think you'll love this. I'm working with a very good friend on a new meetings manifesto. Manifesto. We haven't released it, but one of the beliefs that we came out of that uh, we believe is in the manifesto is the new normal is old. The new normal is old. Explain that. <laughs> And what I mean by that is like all the stuff that you and I are doing here like this, right? We're meeting virtually, we're online, we're recording, we're doing a bunch of stuff. Is that there's some people who are doing it five, one, two, three, five, ten years ago, 20 years ago. It's It's been around, but now it wasn't 10% of the people. Now it's 100 or 89% yeah. of the people. And I think that's the difference. But I've been I've been in the meetings industry, and I got to hang around a lot of the pioneers in the events, and they were already doing hybrid. So, for instance, uh, ten years ago, I was at a conference, and I was on a team, and uh, we were supposed to recruit team members, and uh, we put it out on Twitter, say, "Who wants to join our team?" And a guy said, "Yeah, I want to do it." And his name's Sam Smith. It turns out he's in Minneapolis, and we're in California, and he'd been watching the whole conference ten years ago with two laptops set up, with like Twitter on one side and the live cast on the other. And then I Skyped him into our team. Wow. And, and so he avatared. He actually did this like 10 years ago, like remotely participated and became a contributing member of our team. And again, these are the experiences that I've had in my lifetime that tell me this is possible. Everyone's talking about hybrid now, but man, we've been doing it 10 years ago. And now let's get to those people who refuse. Mark, wouldn't you agree? There are some people who just don't like change. Uh, I I might not like change. <laughs> <laughs> We're entrepreneurs. We just like what we like. That's a right. no-brainer. Right? Well, if, if it's a change I created, it's fine. If you created it, no thank you. Oh, and even worse, I didn't create it. The world created it. Oh, right, right. right? Yeah, on a day, I, I was not planning for it. Like, yeah. I, yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, like I said, I woke up January 2020 going, let's have a pandemic. Oh, man. And so those people that are, those are the same people, like, again, I think, Mark, you're an entrepreneur as well as you probably consulted with other companies. And there's always this element of not wanting to change for a good collection of people. Because as humans, right, we love our stability. We love what we know. It took us years to figure out how to meet face-to-face and all the, the dynamics that go with it and where everybody is and how to operate in it. They're just like, shit, I'm tired. I don't want to learn this new thing. And this also leads into, I think, the other phenomenon that, that I guess is related to this is that you feel is that people are having Zoom or video fatigue, right? Yeah, yeah. That's and what they say. I, and it's just like this, Mark. If um, you don't work out at all and then you went to the gym to lift like two, 300 pounds, how would you feel? Uh, well, it depends on if I, were, if I didn't hurt myself too badly. <laughs> If I, if I was able to do anything, yeah. Well, number one, you're going to be in pain, right? Or number two, you're just going to be like sore and you're going to be tired. Yeah. And that's what that Zoom fatigue is, is that I love to tell people that I've been working out like for 35 years on this video thing. And so that's now how I can do things like balance six screens or stay on top of a conference that has 200 people knowing everything in the front and the back that's happening. Um, it's because so I want to say, that's a specific example because I actually had yeah. a conversation with somebody today and they said... Yeah. Um, uh, they said, you know, I'm getting tired. I can't do any more Zoom. It's like, well, and so they're doing phone calls instead. Okay. And, and, and I was like, well, wait a minute. When we talk about engagement, we talk about upgrading. If there's a hierarchy of engagement, it's like, 
letters <laughs> and, then, and then we go Morse up code right? <laughs> we'll work our way up to in-person and get engagement where we're really in the room and yeah. in the hierarchy video call is more engaged than a phone call Absolutely. so as opposed to less engaged than in person so if you're saying like i can't stand the starvation of engagement because zoom is not as good as in person like that makes logical sense to me but if you tell me i can't do the zoom calls anymore i'm just going to be on the phone that throws a flag on the play because that's not that doesn't you, you can't take connection as the reason anymore because you are more connected in a video call than you are so in that case to your point about being about exercise it's probably a little more tiring to do something you're not familiar with yes. to have to worry about how you look now uh, in this situation yes. that you're not used to having to that yes but, but like you said it's, it's got to be a change thing because all those things were there in person we just were used to it and didn't think about it. Yeah. There, I mean, you have to listen to some of the things that people don't like, too, is, is um, they don't like looking at themselves. That's the one thing that video calls does right now is like and that people yeah. who don't like that, it sets them off. And so they have to struggle through the whole meeting. Now, the technology can fix all this stuff if you look carefully. Like in Zoom, did you know that you can turn off your self view so other people can see you, but you don't see yourself? Yeah, a lot of people have been telling me that makes them feel uh, less tired at the end. They, okay, uh, fine. And they, when they turn off their self-view, yeah. they stop worrying about themselves. I, I don't, yes. for some reason, don't have that problem, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I, don't, I just don't it's, care. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's part of being an entrepreneur. Like, we're used to being different, so. right? And, and I, but most people aren't that. And again, if you're not broadcast trained, right? Like, if you're not like a, 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 an anchor person or something, you, you don't do this all the time. And most people, it's not, it's not natural. And again, they don't, it's like uh, people who don't like to hear themselves sing, or they also don't like to hear recordings of themselves talk, is the same thing. And so they have to struggle with this all the time. That's a great point. That's absolutely, because I took that for granted. Um, because as a musician, as somebody who had, yeah. I had to learn how to hear myself sing and, and play and record myself and uh, hearing myself for so many ridiculous amounts of hours on the podcast, you know, it's like it's normal. I've built the muscle up to hear myself and look at myself, and, and it doesn't exhaust me. Well, and you know? what the thing that you could do is, too, because you get over the part like, oh, you can nitpick yourself. And this is, this is kind of good. Mark, if you want to go, now we're going to go a little bit back here in personal development land, which is, is people don't like that because they don't like something about themselves. Now I'm going to get a little deep. And okay, we do that here. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, sure. I, and I think people have to get over that. Like part of you getting comfortable with your sound on voice is number one. If you're unhappy with it, change it. You have all the tools. You have you know mixers, faders, whatever effects, and you can fix that. But the other two is if you don't like your voice because you don't like how it sounds. I mean, you got to get over that part, and you got to get to the authenticity part, and just say. I'm okay with that. Now, let's look at the content. And most importantly, when I listen to my own recordings, I'm listening to how does it sound to somebody like an attendee, like one of your listeners saying, number one is the first is technically is the audio clear? Can you hear me? Can we hear inflection and other things like that? And then after that is, is this engaging? Can you feel my energy? Can you get the points? Can you feel that there are two people who are passionate about this stuff <laughs> online? And uh, if you did that, then I think you did it right. And, and, some people block that part because they're saying, I just don't like hearing my voice. It's like people who like have who write beautiful poetry and don't share it. They they make beautiful art, but they're shy. And yeah. my daughter, my daughter's like this. Like, I'll just say in my own family, my daughter, that's not her thing is that she loves doing the art, but she doesn't love showing it to people. And uh, uh, 
I don't know. Online here, there are some. You have to get to some comfortable level. You have to know who you are. Number one, and then number two, find where your comfort level is with it. Because in the end, uh, until there's a cure or a vaccine or something else like that, th- this is going to happen for a little bit longer. So I got to tell you, I'm, I didn't expect the conversation to go where we are, and I and I was a little concerned at first that maybe we were off track. But now that it's crystallized for me, I'm it's, I'm having a big aha that, that all these conversations with people about how to get the team engage use this exercise i don't know get you know have the whiteboard behind you and you know have music or whatever these sort of techniques are they don't address what you what we're talking about here and i think maybe we can even highlight like if you're 22 working for a tech company anywhere this is natural right you're like oh okay cool and if you're you know my age and working in a, a manufacturing company or a construction company you're like I don't want to learn any of that. <laughs> it doesn't sound interesting to me at all. And yeah. so that, that's a, and then, and especially if they're in an industry that does, that kind of paints a picture that you don't have to, like it pretty soon we'll go back to the old way. And so why would you, why would you put that on your, on your bucket to learn? <laughs> um, yeah, for those who decided to wait. So Mark, in the early stage of the pandemic, I, we did polls in March. Remember March? <laughs> I remember no. when is this going to last two weeks three weeks <laughs> yeah and in, in the polls in March I asked the question what day do you think we'll actually get out and I said I said the, here's the qualifications the entire country United States of America meeting like we did in the past out in the open and people in March were like April May yeah. June and, and they were and, being pessimistic yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe the middle of June. How about Fourth of July? Let's go and stretch a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I love the name of your podcast here because now I can do my favorite impersonation of one of my other friends. Which is, You're doing it wrong, right? There's nothing worse than trying to do something and have somebody, somebody from the outside just flat out tell you you're doing it wrong. Um, but there are were outliers. Five to ten percent of the people said 2021 and 2022, and I think they're going to be right. I have no crystal ball, but look. I think they're going to be right, and so. Well, but I, but see, that's also on average, and and so I yeah. work with range of companies where like yeah. they, they never stopped meeting in the office, and so the the world on average is going to be affected in what we're talking about in some, some sort of combined measure for that long. I think 2021, 20, yeah. 2020, we're going to be able to point to an average. And there are industries who are just going to be like, whatever. <laughs> like, I don't care. Like, I don't care. Uh, I know people right now who, who just have not changed any of their behavior. Now, this is Texas. Texas is going to have a few of those people, but I know specific people who just said, nope, I didn't change my behavior. I went to the gym. When, anytime it was open, I went. I'm still working out. I'm still doing stuff, and I'm not doing anything differently. And I think there is a certain segment of the end of, of entrepreneurial world that, that kind of has an ability to do that sure. whereas other industries they're just they're just not on the table they have either customer sensitivities or regulations that yeah. just completely say there's no ability for you to ignore this yeah so mark i'm part of the meetings profession and talk about a industry hit probably one of the worst hit I think I saw some statistic like 60 to 90% of the jobs affected associated with meetings. Prior to that, the meetings industry was lobbying too and saying um, they calculated and uh, added up all the people involved around a meeting, travel, hotels, food and beverage, entertainment, AV, mm-hmm. all those things. Right? And that it's like it's the sixth or seventh largest industry in the United States, larger than the car industry. Yeesh. 
Have you ever heard the stat? <laughs> no. Yeah. So now, and imagine in America, if you put the seventh largest industry, 60 to 90% out of business, most of those people are furloughed. I have a lot of friends furloughed and later on, and even in the last couple of weeks, just saying, uh, the furlough's over because you're laid off. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's what happens in that industry uh, around that. And they got to find a way. Um, I think to talk about the scenario that you're talking about is that I truly believe in consequences. And what I mean by that is that for all your actions, something's going to happen. And so uh, if we met, if I, if I had a bunch of people we met in person, eventually whatever's going to do is going to catch up, right? And, and so that, and I think you get consequences for that. So I think let's take a look at our essential companies. We easily know that there's a meatpacking company. They had to keep to work to try and feed us in America. And then 900 cases broke out at that facility. And that's tough. And it's like, do you want to be as an entrepreneur and the boss of that company be responsible for that kind of impact on your employees? I, I know personally, I don't. And so then the other part you have to do is to do this, which is to meet, um, meet virtually. And do it safe. And again, Washington here has fell from number one in the United States, right? Remember when we had the first case? Yeah, you guys had bad press, man. <laughs> well, we got we got a couple of things of bad press uh, on top of that since then. But uh, well, that's that's true. <laughs> the coronavirus was the start, but we have fallen our all the way down to twenty seventh place in the United States. Well, there's still hope you can get back up, man. <laughs> We're number one. That's right. We can do it wrong. Um, no, and I, I think that's uh, I think that we're in twenty seventh place because of the the state for the most part agrees about how it's going to be done, and I I've done one in person meeting Mark since then, and yeah. It's, yeah, it was fascinating. All right? Do you want to hear about this? Yeah. Would you have mask on? What'd you do? Yeah. So my client is this is a really cool piece too. So I don't know where you stand on a whole BLM thing, but all I know is is I'm working with a really cool organization and I'm part of a year long program where I'm coaching um, black owned entrepreneurs here in Seattle. And we had 12 in the program and it started without pandemic and then pandemic hit. And uh, I'll tell the story and then we'll, we'll come back to the conclusion of that. Um, so the program, one of the pieces of the program is called uh, sharks on the beach. So, you know, Shark Tank, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. So this is a friendlier version called Sharks on the Beach. And 12 black-owned entrepreneurs get to pitch their business after getting six months of coaching on their business plan. And that, um, one, they get to pitch their business to everybody. And then two, the best ones get, there's a judge and a People's Choice Award, and they get some grants towards their own businesses. And um, the guy who's in charge of it comes to me and he goes, yeah, I want to do this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. We could do this virtual. Everyone from their houses will test this thing. And he goes, no, 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 no. I want to bring them in. And I'm like, what? Like the record scratch. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? And he goes, no, I seriously want to bring them in. And I go, why do you want to do this? And he goes, I want to level the playing field because every entrepreneur I, you know, he's personally met them all has a different level of technology and technology awareness. And he goes, I want, I want to level that playing field so that they can all present on a fair level playing field. And I'm like, oh man, okay, I can get behind that. All right. Cause you know, unless yeah. you buy them all the technology and go to their houses and set up their studios, I get it. So we took a 200-person facility and had 17 people who were presenting inside of it and, and staffing. That was the total. So one is we had the space. And, and I said, I would not take this gig unless I could run the safety protocol. And he goes, 
Okay, you're done. So okay. we did okay. we did everything, and I've talked to my friends in Taiwan, and I've listened and did a bunch of research. So temperature checks on the way in, right? Wash your hands uh, or sanitize. You had gloves and masks as soon as you came in, and had to keep them on the whole time. There was a meeting eating period, so you got food, but when you got food, you had to go and move away from people while you ate it. Mask off, and then put back mask on. As you came into the facility, we had 17 designated areas that were more than six feet apart. Um, when they came around, we had a one way through the 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 camera and the studio and the mic so when they came up to the mic then they could take their mask off present um and then put their mask on and then take off and we had a, a, a advancer so they could control their own slides and it was sanitized every round uh and we actually successfully completed this meeting everything else was live cast so all the judges called in on zoom and everybody else we told was on live stream uh. and um normally this event draws 150 to 200 people and what we told everybody to do was stay home uh, pick up the live stream and uh, share the live stream as soon as you get it. So mm. these people shared this thing. It was like 60 to 90 minutes. And um, some people won some awards. But here's the real key. Again, normally 150 to 200 people in the audience see this. But those 150 people at least went and shared the stream. And that stream has been viewed over 15,000 times. Wow. That's a huge multiplier. With no budget, Mark. We didn't spend any. There was no boosting. There was no. We didn't pay Facebook anything. We didn't pay Google anything. It was all that's off the share. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's, there's yeah, a, yeah. there's a lot to unpack in that, right? Because we just talked. We're talking about engaged virtual meetings, and we're saying, well, what we did here is we got in person, and we were virtual too in a weird way, and had a total multiplier effect. And it's this is one of the things that I'm really passionate around, Mark, is how can we make whatever we're doing now almost even better? Like we're not I'm not it's, I'm not happy enough just saying this is as good as face to face because with technology, there is some stuff we can do that's better. And every day I'm trying to experiment with this. And here's the number one marker for this event, though, Mark. I can tell you now it's uh, been three or four months. No one got sick. That's well. That's the thing. If you can, if you can do that, that's great. Because I can't have that on my conscience to be an event that I'm a part of or even partly in charge of. That's just me. That's just me personally. And so, yeah, fifteen thousand. And those entrepreneurs really. One of them is making hand sanitizer. She is a care, care company, oh, yeah. and she pivoted to sanitizer in that coaching program. Oh, good. Now I can add the last piece of this conclusion. Out of those twelve entrepreneurs in this coaching program. All of them are either meeting or exceeding their goals. They're, they're surviving all and thriving, all 12, 100%. And the stat I've seen is 40 to 60% of the, all the black-owned businesses will be out of work by next year, out of business by next year. Well, we keep hitting some big issues here. And so I, I'm trying to figure out where to go with all this because um, in the conversation, because you know, we're doing a lot in this. You're, you're, you're helping um, people stay safe. Uh, you are helping uh, underserved um, communities and in a, in a powerful economic way and in a great and an important time. And we're trying to do some things that we can't normally do. And so I, I think one of the, one of the summary takeaways from this is that a, a virtual meeting is different. Like it's different. Yes. It's better in some ways and not as good in other ways. Um, you know, you have to sit down a little more for most people. Most people, if you get a standing desk, like you're standing right now, you set up for it. That was not an accident. That was something that you spent some time figuring out, you know, (laughs) so um, 
so that's different, but there's better. You can record easily, um, even like sessions for me. Like if I'm doing a session, I just realized one day that, wait a minute, I could just click the record button and I can go watch myself. <laughs> I can't do that in an in-person session without having somebody to video me. And so there's a lot of different dynamics that oh. are good, better and worse. Can I add on to this one? Yeah, yeah. I have a friend who used to record as accountability. And really? I, I haven't thought about this, but but she gave this to me. She's a program manager for a large aerospace company. And um, there was a meeting that was going off the rails. Oh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. So there was inappropriate comments and people talking over each other. And it was just kind of becoming a mess. And she decided and she had already tried to moderate. Right. And it feels like these moderators in the debates. These people are seasoned professionals, too. Right. And, and they're trying to moderate and, and they're having trouble with it. But all she did was this. She, she thought about it in her head. And then without saying anything, she goes, click. And then and everybody gets a little splash. This oh, meeting is now being recorded. That's it. This yeah. meeting is now being recorded. And, <laughs> and these two guys, or I think they were, I don't know who they were. I think maybe got these two people just, they just shut up. <laughs> Because it's the same recording phenomenon. I mean, like, Mark, if we're going to go finish, we might as well finish it. Recording, right? I, t- I do a lot of parts in anti-Asian racism, right? And I've been studying it over this pandemic, and it's not good. And I tell, and when every chance that I get to talk about this subject, right, if you think that something's about to happen, just do, your, do the number one thing. Get your phone out, push record, and let it go. Yeah. Right? Talk about a game changer this year. Video yeah. recording. <laughs> it's interesting to think about how a game changer that is in the, in, in society. Um, what, I think that's really cool. What, this recording in in, <laughs> in meetings, I, the game is different, right? So I, I think in certain companies, maybe it's not that different. Maybe there's some really off the rail stuff, that, and uh, I think that could be a real helpful tool for a lot of managers in tough spots. Um, the record button it could be awesome really awesome uh and but i also think that it could be subtly awesome for typical meetings average meetings like uh, again i, I kind of want to actually break that down so when we talk about meetings we, we've we've talked yeah. about kind of events events is one thing yeah uh we've got long meetings like the sessions that i lead yeah. uh seven eight hours and and, and and you probably do as well you do retreats and things like that probably as well yep uh and then there's your 30 minute meetings and anything, anything in between. And I think there's a different DNA of a lot of those things. Maintaining engagement for seven, eight hours is a t- totally different thing than back to back 20 minute, 30 minute meetings. And yeah. I'm hearing people kind of get tired of both these long meetings and these short meetings, but I kind of suspect there's different things at work in both of those. So what yeah. do you, so let's start yeah. with those small meetings. What do you, what do you recommend for people getting the most out of their daily meetings? It used to be phone calls are now zoom or it might used to be a 60 minute sales meeting is now a, a zoom meeting. Hmm. Okay. In these short, and I, um, I did write a book called engaging virtual meetings and the core target audience. I had needed to look at that is that if you actually do all the statistics is that small meetings, right? Five to 20 people, uh, for probably 60 minutes or less, make up 80% of them, all the meetings. Whether This was pre-pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's just as pre post-pandemic. And so that size meeting and that size format is something that if you only had to customize for one, 
uh, if you're listening to it, do that because that's 80% of the meetings. Now, all these other things are specialty meetings. This is why, you know, retreat facilitators get paid more and like people who develop and are meeting planners for conferences get more. But, you know, everybody can run these 60 minute meetings. So here are some things that I can give that I think are really tangible from this one. Uh, one, one is start the, and end the meeting the exact same way or a similar way. Because one of the things that you're trying to do is that um, I call it rhythm. Is that you're a guitarist? You're 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 a musician. You know, like like meetings have rhythm, right? Even if they're not playing music, there's a rhythm to the meeting. There's an ebb and a flow. And if you can do something like start the meeting and end the meeting at the same way, you create this piece of stability that people are are kind of itching for. And and I've heard things that people have done this. Like if they just did some openers, right? And they did sign some way to bring the meeting to a close. That's actually a, a big one. The next okay. one is is. You know, facilitating and designing what's going to happen in between. And the key here, I'm going to give two secrets. One is is to engage people in a meeting. Do the things that require stuff from your teammates. So, for instance, if Marcus did to pontificate for 60 minutes about something, right? Don't have a meeting. Send a video. Or send yeah. a podcast, right? Do whatever. Because <laughs> yeah. right? then they, they can listen to it on their own time. In fact, actually, we're going to recommend this for one of these uh, retreats I'm working on now. There's going to be a 30 to 60 minute video piece that people need to watch. And then the time that we're coming together, which is highly limited, it's not eight hours, it's three hours a day because of time zones and a bunch of other stuff. Um, they're going to discuss what they saw in the video. So it's required that you watch this, but you can do it now. And people in India and London and whatever can watch it on their own time frame. But now they're going to do what the important thing is, is discuss something very important to the company's future during this time, as opposed to watch a video together. And so I think that part so discuss, is... Discuss, though. It's a discussion piece. So it's interactive. Yeah, it's interactive, right? So, so if you want engagement, engage. If you want to engage, tell, ask people, write their opinions, and listen. Don't, don't just ask them to say something and then ignore them, right? Ask them to participate as part of the meeting, and, and that's what starts to draw people in, which leads me to the next kind of deep topic um, is this. Have you read Google's Project Aristotle's research? It keeps coming up, but I've not actually read it in detail, but it keeps coming up, and, and it's profound stuff. It's now you're ready to read it. So as a team builder, I already saw this like three or four years ago when it came out. Google spent a lot of money and 18 months researching all their project work teams. And they were trying to figure out what's the common factor for the winning teams. That's a good project, right? That they have the money, they can research this. And so they thought, is, is it the manager? Is it the composition of the team members? Is it the, the, the environment that they're in? Is it the computer that they're running? And it's none of those things. In the research, they end up picking up five things, but the number one factor, and these are teams that are wildly different. Some of the teams were like, uh, were like anarchy, but they were yeah. great because they had some really smart people, right? And some of the teams were like, you know, buttoned up straight and, and processed, and they're going like, what do these teams have in common? The number one factor, psychological safety. The ability for a team member to take a risk and feel okay about it. And that, to me, is the second secret of engaging virtual meetings. To me, it's what I call the invisible thing I'm building in this box that you see if we're meeting virtually every moment. And it can start with some simple things like, hello, Mark. You log in. Boop. You come up on my, my meeting. I'm just like, hey, Mark, what's up? I'm just acknowledging that you're here, and I'm making it welcome and inviting. And you'll got to watch. Some meetings don't do this. 
some of them like they log in and you get ignored from second one and now you're ready to turn your camera off and change your name to reconnecting so nobody talks to you so you can like <laughs> work out while you're in this meeting <laughs> change your name to reconnecting i think that's that's awesome and I, so i, I will yeah, not no. do that i will not do that <laughs> So it's, yeah, so psychological safety is really the key. These are the basic things to get to it, right? Be inviting. Uh, when you ask for questions, like if you watch me uh, moderate a meeting, when I ask for input from the audience, I will say, oh, does no, anybody like to contribute to this? I'll wait an uncomfortably long period of time to let people answer. And I will almost never say, hey, Mark, say something. Because because if you come back from the attendee side, you're like, I didn't want to say anything, and now I'm freaked out, right? And maybe my boss is looking at me. And so that's the things that I do to create psychological safety. It sounds simple, but I can tell you a lot of leaders don't do it. And But if you do do it, you'll find that the group will contribute even more and more and more. So let's unpack that, because I, I hear what you're saying, and I think that uh, something that's simple sounding like that can be intimidating and hard. And so uh, especially when it comes from somebody like you or even somebody like me who's kind of doing this all the time, uh, we're trained and indeed committed to really bring it you know when yeah. we're on a meeting like we got to bring it yeah. and so somebody who's not in this profession or collection of professions they're like um like i don't have those skills i didn't go to that school i don't do that work every day i just want to have a good solid meeting and and i i think that i heard and i gotta read this now to, to be able to speak to this but you, the safety component lines up with uh what i heard one of the one of the measurements of project aristotle was healthy teams are marked by equal contribution from all team members. Does that sound right? Uh, it not equal, but or basically fully full engagement from all team. Everybody, yeah, can, yeah, yeah. Can, people are people are held accountable, right? And that p- team members are capable of doing their job. They 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 contribute and they contribute on time. So I've seen I've seen you know, when you have a team that's sort of quiet and two people are talking. That's a totally different thing than if there's four or five people on the team and they're all just sort of diving in and and, ex- and exchanging ideas and everybody's. After what's right, not who's right. You see egos kind of aside. It's just an incredible experience to watch that really, really high level. But I and I do think that it's that um, it's that safety, right? So we know safety creates the ability to experiment and have healthy conflict and do all the things in the five dysfunctions of a team, all the Patrick Lencioni stuff. That's really what starts with trust, which is about safety and, and vulnerability, the ability to be vulnerable. So what's the first thing we do in a virtual world? And I'm going to t- give a very specific question we might need to really unpack. What's the first thing someone does in a virtual world to create sef- safety for somebody who has never thought about that before? Long extended pause. Even longer extended pause. <laughs> um What's it, so? Let me make sure I heard the question. What's the first thing someone should do to create psychological safety? Right? Yeah. If, is there somebody on the, on this listening to this podcast thinking, "Man, I'm not a I'm not a podcaster. Yeah. I got to run okay, a virtual okay. meeting, and okay. I'm supposed to create safety." What's the first thing I can do that's very accessible, very doable for anybody? I'm assu- I'm going to assume the person you're asking is the host or the leader of the meeting. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm thinking in my world is is departmental leader integrator ceo visionary somebody whose job it is to keep a team of about three to eight people productive engaged and not being irritated by the fact they're having a virtual meeting yeah okay the first thing you got to do to create psychological safety i believe is um respect your team members time 
That's like number one. And what I mean by that, I hear some tangible actions is don't just meet. If you're going to bring everyone together and burn their time, especially as a CEO, every time you go around the room, you should be looking at the dollar signs, their salary, right? You you spend that time whether or not you think about it or not, right? And so some of the meetings are like a thousand bucks an hour or more. And you should think about it that way. You should value it that way. And therefore, um, the way to do that then is to plan out the meeting. Number one, choose a goal. And then number two, think about what is the process I'm going to work with with this team to engage them. And hopefully what you're looking for is, you know, draw out the talents for this. So I don't know if you knew this, Mark, right? I was at Microsoft for a decade. Just hanging out there? <laughs> I wouldn't call it the hanging bu- out. The, but. the bus wouldn't pick you up? You were like at the bus stop? It's like, geez, <laughs> oh, I was yeah. trying to get home and I've been here for a decade. I'm on the short bus. So that short bus was called Microsoft. But it had a lot of stock options, so it could be this is the best short bus to be on. Um, no, I was at Microsoft for a decade. And one of the things is I was um, software design engineer, test software design engineer, as well as a program manager. And during that program manager time, you know, what you're talking about tools. We're talking about a multinational, lot of company, billion, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And one of my best tools for the meetings that I had is, and by the way, Microsoft has a lot of meetings, is that I would come in before the meeting and on the whiteboard, I would write what the goal for this meeting was. Whiteboard, a whiteboard and a pen. (laughs) And so, and then as people came in and I start the meeting, I would just point to the board and I said, this is what I think we're all meeting on, right? Before we go any further, does everyone agree? And sometimes it was easy, like everyone agreed, but sometimes we get these big and passionate conversations like 15 20 minutes and that was the most important thing that we could do because uh, the reason why i thought we all were all here was not the reason that everyone in the audience thought they were here and so what i'm saying with that is that to to create that psychological safety is to find a way to help people if you're the leader of the meeting to help people engage with the process and contribute to whatever it is the goal that you have Okay, so I want to try to. I'm trying to create some some use cases okay. for. So if, if somebody who's running on EOS, they've got an agenda. So they should be running a leadership team meeting around a, a solid agenda that's fully engaged. And yeah. what they probably need to do is, um, well, they've got the agenda. The objectives should be there. Creating safety is about. I think that your whole example around the pauses. You know, let people contribute. Make sure people contribute. And you may have to raise your game to stay plugged in to understand what people are feeling and thinking. And uh, that that's one of the factors. So then let's take, I think we're, I think most of the teams I'm working with who, who run level 10 meetings actually probably don't have that much problem with a virtual meeting. I think where it gets wonky is kind of the other meetings. It's like I'm doing all these calls that I don't normally do. I'm normally I'm meeting in person and now I'm doing everything via Zoom. And I, I think it's I think what you said is right. I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to call or I'm going to schedule a Zoom with a prospect, a, a, a vendor or somebody. Um, let's get clear. Like why? Do you have it, have it in your head? Like, hey – this we're here. We're fully engaged. I got you on video, which means we're I'm on camera. You're on camera. How do we get the most out of this? Which is let's be on the same page. The reason I'm here is because I want to help you with what is that? Is that where you need to be? Is that valuable to you? Yeah. And again, if they say no, then take that first couple of minutes of the call going, oh, we're on the wrong page. So let's take a minute and get on the right page. And sometimes, you know what, too, Mark, if you can determine that you don't need this call, who, who is here who on this podcast has ever complained about a shortened virtual meeting? Yeah. 
You know, I'm just, I keep going back to the fundamentals of this. That I think that we really stumbled onto the biggest part of this in the very first part of the podcast. And it is mm. a lot to do with change just on its own. Because I think if you're a salesperson, you already know what to do. If you, if you, if you got, if you got Sandler sales training, you know exactly what you need to do on the call. Nothing has changed. What might be working against you is you're a little disrupted because the format's different and you yep. forgot what you need to do because you're just trying to get the thing to connect. <laughs> So if you can get past the fundamentals and you can say like connection happens, my Zoom is easy, go back to your Sandler basics, you know, (laughs) upfront contract, you know, what are we trying to do here? We know, I don't want to waste your time. If the last thing I get, if there's, if this is not a good use of your time, please correct me. Let's end this call early. Doing those fundamentals has has not changed. And if we've lost sight of that, we're not going to, we're not going to execute. I think you're going to love this thing. Um, So uh, I think you're a cultural fan, right, Mark? Like you value culture, companies, cultures, right? Culture by design, absolutely. That's yeah. that's what uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yes. So, and I got to visit Zappos pre-pandemic, and that Zappos um, meeting also kind of changed my life like dolphins and i got to meet he's kind of i think what do they call the minister of culture like his job is to go visit other companies and bring that culture the cool cultural pieces back to zappos that's his whole job now (laughs) what a cool job um but the culture we're talking about one of the cultures that we have in our meetings is what we call a a no sorry zone so have you have you like since march haven't you had people come on the calls and they're like oh i'm so sorry i'm late or i'm sorry the dog's barking or i'm sorry my baby's crying or you know what i'm talking about oh yeah 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 and I got sick of this endless apology for stuff that people can't really fix, and it's part of their reality. So we actually built a culture, and it's called the No Sorry Zone, right? And we actually have a background. We'll put up the background when somebody does something and they apologize, and we just tell them, "Look, this is a No Sorry Zone. You can apologize if you want to, but we, we don't. You don't need to do it here." And the, on the bottom, it says, uh, "You don't. I'm sorry is not necessary because we're all doing the best we can with what we got right now." pretty profound and i think that that's that's interesting so actually let's go there for a second and i th- and i really thought this podcast was going to talk about tips and tricks you know get you know, get you know draw stick figures and, and tell about grab a, <laughs> grab a grab a little memento from your kid and, and you, know, th- you know tell me tell me about your family and show me your dog you know and that's that's the kind of stuff that that's fine is it? but i think we're uncovering like uh let's admit a couple of things that yeah. what seemed easy is hard Getting the technology yes. figured out is disruptive, and I, that just could be exhausting by itself. And at some point, that will go away. Just like you said, you're going to go to the gym enough. Eventually, it won't feel like much weight. It's just one of the tools in the toolbox. And for companies and individuals who are doing it for ten years, they're like, "What changed? Nothing changed. Um, this is this is uh, this is the same thing." And then you got something like uh, cult- cultural social impact because everybody experiences this differently. Um, are you? Do you have three kids bouncing around the house? Like that, that matters now. And is, that's not a zoom problem. <laughs> oh my God. Can I, Oh my God. Can I share the best story? It's an EO yeah. story. Okay. There's an EO guy here in Seattle and he runs a PR company and, um, I can't believe he's a PR person and he posted this and he goes, he goes, um, uh, let me just show you my new office. And he was taking a zoom meeting from his master bedroom closet. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, he goes, let me tell you why I'm doing this. He's got daughter in the house, and the daughter is a gymnast, and so they bought a tumble track so that she could continue working out in pandemic, and the only place the tumble track fits is his office. <laughs> What's a tumble track? It's like a, it's a, a gymnastic thing so that you can do somersaults on it. 
Oh, like a mat kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tumble okay. track, yeah. So, so he moved in his office, and then he showed the transformation between the first shot, which was like all you know his stuff hanging from the racks, to he cleared it out, and actually he made his backdrop look amazing. Like, you had no idea <laughs> he's calling from his master bedroom. And this is like, he's the CEO of his company. But, but I think he, he gave the story to show a piece of humanity to say, I'm a dad. As much as I'm a CEO... In the end, too, I'm a dad, and that's actually way more important, and I'm willing to sacrifice my space for my daughter, right? And, and I can make it work. It's kind of like yeah. you're, you're pushing this dang button again, and it is it is about because I experienced <laughs> this change. I, there was some uh, some point, I don't know how long, four or five months in, I had thought I'd just gotten used to everything being virtual. And then one day, I just felt like I was going to fall over. Like, I just, I was exhausted by it. And I yep. went to a few of my friends, and I, I said... I'm struggling. And and they all just had some basic questions. Well, have you, what, what chair are you sitting in? You know, like what, how many monitors do you have? Uh, you know, is there another room you could be in? You were doing it from your, from your dining room. What would what, what, what happen if you went back up to your, your training facility and just did your sessions from up there? And I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> and so all I did was start tinkering again. I did, and, I, and suddenly everything transformed. And, and it was just like, you, I just, I didn't want to change. I thought I'd changed enough. I thought I'd had it figured out and I needed to do a little more uh, adjustment. And, and then that got me everything I needed back. So I, I'm really kind of thinking that um, if the, the message to, to people right now is if you really hate these meetings um, and I guess you got a choice, you can, you can say like, how much longer do you have? And can you just force yourself? Or if your reality is likely longer, um, maybe open the door to some change and some and some and get some feedback. And, and what can you move? Can, if you change your setting, change your chair, changed your your got some more technology experience, moved from Zoom to Teams, moved from Teams to Zooms, whatever technology seems to work better for you, move, treat treat it like a science. And if you can get that science figured out to, to meet your needs, it could start working to your advantage. You might have a record button that you think to click on, and you might be able to share a video or share a link to somebody, and suddenly you got more access to more stuff. And you can pull people in and out of a meeting for five minutes, even if they're, even if they're across the country. That's actually something that's happened where, hey, let's get Joey's opinion on this uh, on this topic. Where is he? I don't know. Send him a link and get him in for 10 minutes. And all right, back back to what you were doing. Um. This quote came from a very important person at Microsoft, and they said this, uh, the hard stuff is easy, and the soft stuff is hard. Do you know what I mean by that? Well, I could start guessing, because those words are easily, uh, easily profoundly interpreted. What does it mean to you? So, and the hard stuff is is in the middle, the beginning of the pandemic, and I think this is also will help too the people that you say are getting sick of it, and also to help get to you. Everybody has invisible timers, and yours went off. You just said <laughs> f bomb, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I've done it too. Like I got so sick one day, we, we got our next day at home order here, and and I couldn't do it anymore. And I taught an entire day of classes in a Seahawks onesie. <laughs> Okay. No, that was a good thing or that was a sign of insanity? <laughs> who, I don't know. Who cares? I just told people at the beginning of every class just to get the elephant out of the way saying, I'm a little sick of what's going on, but you know, and I just get, so this is my way to deal with it, right? It's like, we're home anyways. We all talked about like presenting in our pajamas. I just actually want to do it for one day and I did it. <laughs> 
and I didn't know nobody fired me. Everyone was great. So that's so funny. yeah. So what the hard and stuff you guys are is, you guys are playing great by the way. So that's a it's a good thing to be four <laughs> zero oh, undefeated. <laughs> I was at the Super Bowl, but that's a whole another podcast. Um, oh man. Okay. Um, so in the hard stuff is is that this in the beginning of pandemic people got that adrenaline rush, which is like oh shit, how the hell am I gonna get online and I gotta stockpile some toilet paper and where the hell's my spam and yeah and so yeah, that's what they're I, still that, they're still out of spam. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeast is gone, right? That's like, uh, um, so yeah, that hard, that hard stuff. So like arranging your life, getting ring lights, you know, putting all that out. That that stuff. In the end, it was easy, but that's what people panicked to the first part. And then the soft. What I mean by the soft stuff is hard. Is that as you go on with this, is that you have to figure out more things to deal with it. And, and that soft stuff is what's in your head. That soft stuff is is th- this to me. In February, I got to speak to a group of meeting professionals with my sponsorship time. I got to sponsor part of this conference and i didn't talk anything about my product all i actually said to this is saying all right i you kind of knew pandemic was coming they're already talking coronavirus this is like uh, march march 10th by the way and i said all of you in the audience take a minute to take note i want each of you to think about how you're going to take care of your mental health you most likely are going to go through probably some of the most difficult experiences in your life in the next six months to a year. And I said, I care about each of you. I just, I don't want you to take a note and think to yourself, prepare yourself to handle what's coming on into the, the mental health piece. And because mental health is so important. It's so easy. It's uh, if you're not doing daily things to take care of it, it will sneak up on you. And, and like even some family members, we've had it on. It's like one day they're fine. And next day they're, you know, they, they want to rage quit everything. And that's part of the pandemic is that if you don't take it as that marathon mindset, as you keep thinking it, it's like tomorrow it's going to be over. Yeah. You know, it's, it's maddening. It's, it will, it will hurt you. You will hurt your brain to do that. But if you take it with the, the other side, this is my personal mindset. My mindset is for the foreseeable future, my life is virtual. And if we get out before that time is in my head, is there, it will be a bonus. But otherwise, I'm going to change everything in my life to handle the way it is now and then and then deal with it. So I do. I do. I, I preach mental health all the time. I think it's something that's important. It's something I advocate for. And everybody who's listening on this podcast needs to think about what are they doing for their mental health. And it could be simple things for that. Um, and there can be some of them are bigger and more complicated, but you need to watch for it. And you need to do something. Somebody actually just recently told me that she was the best sleeper ever. And in the last five months or six months, she has become an insomniac. That's big. That's huge. Yeah. He, sleep is, affects so many things. And yeah. The flip side of this, I'll just give the, the highlight of this too, is that the, it's not all you know doom and gloom here. Uh, for me, it's actually gotten better because I used to travel 150 days a year. Yeah. But now I'm actually in my house and in my house is, is still novel because I didn't spend that much time here. <laughs> so I'm still interested in it. And um, the other part is that my sleep, for instance, my own personal sleep is the most regular and the most best it's been in years. Yeah. I, I so, much, so much of what you're saying, I think, it's, I guess it, there's a lot of change. I hate to keep um, coming back to that point. But I think with my experience and what I'm observing and what you're saying is that um, 
we got to go back and, and care for our environment, care for uh, ourselves, care for ourselves <sighs> and see what we need. And I think it's, I think the idea might be that if you're going to a virtual meeting expecting nothing's changed and you're just going to click in and, and your friend who's, who thinks it's no big deal and, and you're like, why do I hate this? Like, that's a real question you should answer for yourself. And I don't think the answer is stop virtual meetings. I think that's the essence. It's okay. Virtual meetings are actually fine. There's something else. Take a, take a beat or two. What about it? Is the room you're in actually set up for meetings? Like I've been on a lot of meetings where it's like, oh, that's your kitchen. <laughs> that's your spouse making a sandwich. You know, I get that that's what you have to do. And, and that's to your point of like, no, sorry. But like, is there an option? Seriously. I mean, the bath, the, the bathroom might be better. <laughs> the closet might be better. And would it take, what, would, what effect would it have for you to take two hours? To set it up, two hours sounds horrible. But you might have this many. You might have, have three meetings a day for the next six, eight weeks, and two hours might be nothing for you to get back to a sense of privacy. It, it pays dividends every meeting minute to invest in your setup from your microphone to. And I think as an audio engineer, you you believe this too. Your audio quality is almost more important than your video quality. Oh, for sure, for sure. And and I got to tell you, I've been actually making Skype design offices, right, for a decade. In other words, designing my backdrop based upon what my camera sees. And somebody else took it further. There's a Twitter account that you got to go see. It's called twitter.com slash rate my Skype room. Have you seen this, Mark? Yeah, you, you, you and I talked and I took a look oh. at it. So, yeah. It is funny because they take some of the most professional people and they'll give them between 10 and minus 10 based upon what they see. And you'll see like the common themes, bookshelves, flowers, um, you know, art, chairs. Uh, but but it will that too will expand your mind to what could be. It doesn't have to be just your chair and a setup like the, it, if you really go further with it, your backdrop can say a lot about it just exactly the same way that you would set your office up in a certain way that if I met you in your office, I would learn something about you your virtual office is no different you know it's i had this is in the same ballpark but i remember the first time i uh i had a gig doing sales and marketing work for a company that, that had just offices way up high and uh and my office looked out and i could just see and see and see and it wasn't a big office but it was a very clean very nicely furnished super spartan this um uncluttered it was beautiful and it was just every time i would just stand in the room and look out the window and be on phone calls and i felt in command of the world and and i never forgot how that made me feel because i knew there were going to be times in my future life when i had to work in a basement or do something that wasn't ideal and i and it really caused me to think about what the, what the cost of that was and and the gig after that no, oh, it was actually the gig before that. I was working in a very dungeon-like business, uh, and, and it was, and it, and, it, and it was like a little skinny windows. You know, you could kind of see like, is this actually a prison? Was it a prison? Is it a prison right now? And, uh, and so, I, I really sensed uh, the psychological impact of that. And some people seemed more affected than others. But all that to say, you can choose your your place to work now, much more so. And you may not have given it some thought, and you may have had an awful lot of options take off taken off the table. Like Starbucks prop might have been your place, and it probably isn't now. <laughs> and so, yeah, they, 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 I so, just was, I was in my Starbucks that's near my house, and every seating area is shut off. You can basically get in, order, and get out. Yeah. So, so spend some time on it. I, th- I think that's my yeah. biggest lesson. You know, yeah. put, put yourself in an environment. 
yeah. that you feel good about. Give yourself permission to move the lamp around. Get you know, and 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 put a picture in there you like and and like going there. And get in a chair that you like and get a set of headphones or not a set of headphones. If you want privacy, get a nice headset, do something, you know, you know, do a few things because this is your place and, and you need to operate at your highest level. And if you're getting tired of working, that's not good. And you probably got to do it for a while. I tell people that. I mean, uh, normally when I meet, I'll have a microphone, but I use external speakers and an external microphone. And the reason for that is I don't like headphones on my head more than probably two hours. I just, that's just me personally. And so by, and by doing that, I become more natural on screen because I don't have my headset. You don't see this whole thing and the whole get up. And, and I think those are things that are all important. And, um, yeah, spending and investing time inside of that, I think is important. You know, I, I have two things here. I think that's funny is, um, I went to UC Santa Barbara, so that makes me a gaucho. And the the psych building, we used to joke, but it was a reality, was the only building on campus that had no windows. <laughs> yeah. um, Did it really and, not have windows at all? No, no. Is, yeah, the, there was no windows. So the second piece around this is, you know that backdrop for that office that you loved? Yeah. If you have a photo of it somewhere, uh, put use it, change your background to that. Or have it, have it on deck. Some days you can go back and go back to that memory. Like that's an anchor. That's something that's useful saying that, oh, one day I want to feel like I'm in command of the world, at least now virtually to the world. So I put that backdrop in and you can actually, now you have a story. You have a story to tell about. I used to work in this place, right? Yeah. Or, and now I'm going to work there again. Now, the second one I do have those, a strong, strong belief around is virtual backgrounds versus um, regular backgrounds. So unless you're running a professional green screen and you can light it and make it look right, uh, virtual backgrounds, I th- I feel, is another reason why people are fatigued. So, do, have you ever seen this? Like, if I put a virtual background and I move my head, you'll probably see clipping near my head, right? Yeah, yeah. I and I lose parts saying. of my head. Yeah. And the problem for your audience is that they have to sit there and going, what the hell's wrong with Mark's head? Does he got a fly on it? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So, I, I think the virtual backgrounds can be can be pretty good. And I do think the green screen is one of those things like, do you want the green screen? Cause you just bit off something because you got to maintain that thing, move it around. And, and I've got one and I use it less than I thought I would yep. uh, because a lot of times I'm going to a whiteboard and yep. if I'm going to take the whiteboard out of play, uh, I got, I, I put the green screen in when the, the whiteboard's out of play, yeah. but I agree with what you're saying. You know, it's funny. It's like funny for like a minute. <laughs> like it's like oh it's minions awesome <laughs> oh look you're in outer space are you really in outer space like okay cool and we're back <laughs> yeah i tell people all the time the default you should have you should have a backdrop unless you're going to run a professional green screen and i got a guy who can put himself into 3d backgrounds now because he's created a virtual screen scene he also has a software to build a 3d setting where he can actually walk through the setting i'm actually really? working on that yeah i'm going to work on that back here if i can get it i'll do it but uh but pray that cost a lot of time and money if you're not going to yeah. do that spend the energy because i really truly believe that a true background is um one again tell something to people about you so you can use that to your advantage and number two is that you'll have less technological problems with it it, it will be easier on your audience if you don't do that so that's see, my I, personal preference see, I, and i like the idea of being focused on your audience a lot of these meetings aren't really exactly audience so much as teams uh, and i i think one of the big takeaways from here is um Make it suit you. Like clean your house before you worry about changing the world. It's a Jordan Peterson quote, but I, I, I think that <laughs> that's really right. If you if you have energy, you feel good, you'll bring that. It's you. Your background is fine, but what are you looking at? 
like like I actually have done this in in my you know my office is now set up. It's really former dining room. It's my office for most of my meetings, and Good. I look out onto the trees. I look out into the grass. Oh, and I can see outside. Yes, I've yes, got a nice painting behind yes. me, but it's but I, when I'm not looking at the screen, uh, I'm looking out in nature, and uh, I. I did change my chair. And so now I'm in a much more comfortable chair and I'm yes. like, this might be the best office I've had. Now it's tough to compete with that, uh, that very, very high, high looking out over the city was pretty incredible. And, yeah. and I would be out on the phone and I would see a Falcon yeah. and it was like incredible, yeah. but, yeah. Uh, but this is pretty, this is pretty awesome too. And I feel great and I can do hours and hours and hours of it. Uh, so, so, and having that variety too, Mark. So what we've been able to do is, um, uh, okay. So this is a good tip. You talked about tips. Um, like this gets first to your internet, which is, um, you know, if you're not plugged into your box, right? Plug into your box. Get over your Wi-Fi. It doesn't matter how good your Wi-Fi, and even if your laptop is next to it, there's no replacement for displacement, or I guess in this case, which is a club. <laughs> it's okay. a plug. So plug in. All We're right, talking so, about hot riding now. Okay, right I know. Now. I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm a big car fan. I'm a huge car fan. I own a Porsche yeah. Boxster now, but that's another story. Um, yeah. So the second one around that is, is if you haven't called your internet provider in the last year, do it. And here's the reason why. Ask for the loyalty department and figure out what new deal you can get. So I recently did this, and I got a 7x increase in speed for $20 less. Wow. And then I got, they gave me a new Wi-Fi point, which I used to have to rent, but now they're like, oh, it's included. We don't care. And that Wi-Fi point is so strong now, I can actually video from my backyard. So now they're, I've taken meetings from a hammock. That's awesome. And I have a, a covered umbrella table with a side table. I've actually gone and take the energy when I know is a nice day to put out an entire three screen setup with external speakers and a pro mic outside. And people go, is that a virtual backdrop? And I go, yeah, hold on a second. And then I get up and I walk through it. And they're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Blows their mind, right? Um, yeah. But for me, it's the mental health piece, which is like I, I have to watch. Like In my early days, especially when I was doing uh, hardcore conferences, when I had 30 minutes off, I made sure to walk away from my screen and either take a walk outside or sit you know, sit in my backyard and like not do anything. So I could re- reclaim myself to another session I had to do later, and so well, that's a good point too. I, I, yeah. I think taking care of yourself. So you got a space you love for yeah. you, love it for your for your for your, for your clients and the, and the participants. Yeah, that's true. If you're a prof- professional, you better have that. But if you're in a, re- you're a regular person in a regular meeting, make sure you love it because you got time with it. And then things like don't forget that in the old world, you probably got up. And went to somebody's office or got in a car and drove across town, which, wow, you saved that time. That's fantastic. And instead, you sat in the same chair and had another 30-minute meeting. That's very efficient and going to wear you out. So give yourself a minute, five minutes. End the meeting five minutes early and five minutes early and walk around, walk outside. And I find even in my long – this is probably a worthwhile, worthwhile point – that my teams who in the first days, first or in the early days of virtual session, they were like, wow, that we did seven hours, eight hours. I can't believe it went that fast. It was amazing. Uh, three months in, we're doing these meetings. Um, what I would find is that people were kind of used to that. And we'd get to the afternoon and I'd say, you guys you need a break. And they say, no, let's just push through. And I'd say, rate the session. And they would say, ah, uh, I don't know. My ass hurts. <laughs> I was tired at the end. Oh, I know. And it's like, I, I hate groups that do that because I gave you a choice. Actually, here's a, here's another good side tip. So you you got to arrange more breaks now. 
Yeah, right. that's what I make them. I, in the morning, I say, look, do not fight me in the afternoon on the breaks. Yeah. I just don't. Take the damn break. But but here's a really, really important principle that I, I uh, share with a lot of people, and it's called, let the inmates run the asylum. Now, have you heard of this one? Letting them run the asylum? Let the inmates run the asylum. Okay. What Tell do you think? Okay. All right. All right. I'll do my version. So it, let the inmates run the asylum says this, that if you want engagement, it's actually based on adult learning theory is that number one is you already have smart people in the room, right? Most of them have gone to school. They have degrees. They're experts in whatever they do. That's why the company pays them money. So, so engage them. And so what I, I look for multiple times in my meeting, when can I give over control from me as the host to you? And you know what happens with that? Engagement skyrockets. They're like, oh, shit, I'm in charge right now. So we, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. And so then. Hand, they, hand out a task. Oh, by the way, oh, I need yeah, you to take, take notes. Yeah. I need you to monitor yeah. the time. I need you to you know, keep make sure it monitor anytime we're off topic. Yeah. So, so let the inmates run the, the asylum is really key uh, with that. And so in, in giving that is, oh, yeah, here with the breaks. So let's say in a three hour meeting, you have 30 minutes of break. Okay. Okay. So one of the ways to do it is that um, we've, we've started a new system if the group agrees to it. Um, uh, we're just testing it now. So there's a coffee icon in Zoom, and you could say, I want to take a break. And so when a certain percentage, let's pretend like it's 50%. So you have a 10-person meeting. As soon as five people hit the coffee icon, I'll, I'll let people know that it, we're, it's about now time to take a break. And now I give them control. There's a total of 30 minutes of break, Right. How do you want to use it? Do you want a five-minute break now? Do you, do you want all 30 minutes now? Do you want three 10-minute breaks? Do you want two 15-minute breaks? Whatever it is, but you have to agree on it as a group, all right? And, you know, and so as soon as they agree, then, then you come back. And so you give them breaks when they want to in the style that they want to. And so it removes all the control from you deciding. And th- they, then their odds of complaining go way down. That's interesting. Because I, 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 I like what you're doing there. At the same time, I definitely saw some teams make decisions uh, that were not in their best interest. <laughs> and so That's I sort of so took the can, microphone back. It's like, nope, I'm going to decide when we're taking a break. No, yeah, no, live it, but they can live and die by their decisions. I don't mind. I don't yeah. mind. It's Because if they die by their decision, they'll come back later and they'll never do it again. Yeah. Well, I guess if you're doing regular meetings and if you've got a few days of, of, of workshops, then you can sort of learn through that. Mm-hmm. When I work with a team, it's quarter by quarter. And I am like, oh, when we come back next quarter, uh, you better remember yeah. this. Like, that's too long. Like, yeah, they, they I learned this yesterday. That. You don't need to learn this this quarter. I can tell you right now. Don't do it. <laughs> and that gets you to the other part, Mark, about design, uh, which is you need to know, like, is this group is somebody that we're going to meet every week? So now you have the ability to create um, – uh, you know, cultural around the meetings because as the team grows, they can do more and more and more. So this is ever since I was at Microsoft and probably prior to that, I've always looked at the work that I produce increases exponentially. And I would tell my managers that I said, for the first section of this project, it's going to look like I'm doing nothing, but I'm building a base of something that is going to grow exponentially. All right. And so that's what I did at Microsoft is that I built a tool but I didn't build that on the existing system. I started to build a foundation for something that was never done before. And and then as the system was built, then I could rapidly multiply the number of cases. In the book that I wrote, is the same case. Um, it's, what, 60,000 words. And in the last four or five days, I averaged 6,000 words a day. For context, Mark Twain, over his career, wrote 1,600 words a day. Wow. And... So- 
So it accelerated to the end, and I barely, but luckily, I had a plan in my head. How am I going to make this deadline, right? And and it worked. <laughs> luckily, it worked. <laughs> so yeah. So the, so the book. Let's talk about the book. So okay, I want to make sure people get, you know get a sense of that. So tell us about the engaging meetings. Um, what made you think to write it, and what does it say? It's <laughs> oh, a good story. Um, this starts with, this is a great question. If you're listening to this podcast, answer this question for yourself as I tell this story. What gifts has coronavirus given you? And so the gifts that coronavirus has given me is this. I lost 15 programs, Mark. I was ready for the best year ever. I had 15 awesome programs and they all got canceled one by one, postponed, postponed, canceled, canceled. So my intuition said, I've been doing virtual team building and I wrote a book like 2011, it's called 50 Digital Team Building Games. And I'm like, oh, well, I don't, I'm going to do the thing that I know that's online that I can still do is virtual team building. And then the class just took off, right? And uh, it went viral. I sold out 40 classes and uh, uh, my publisher caught wind of one of my marketing emails for those marketing, continue marketing. That was the interesting thing. A coronavirus said, communicate more. Everybody was putting out notices every week about what they're doing and uh you know so i've been putting out some valuable stuff and my publisher saw it and he goes hey you want to write your second book and this is the other leadership principle right lean in well yeah i'll write that second book so i wrote the second book i said yes to it and it started out being called um virtual team building but after I came back I actually got to produce a 200 person conference for Microsoft in the middle of writing this book Right, and it was something that was going to be four days face to face, and this is like critical. They have to meet. There's no way they can cancel this thing. And within eight weeks, they had transferred it all to a completely 100% virtual conference, and I got to help in that process. And when I told him some of the stories back from the book, he goes, "Hold on, we got to change the title of the book." And he's a classic New Yorker. And what I mean by that, he doesn't like to waste time. His meetings are short. He doesn't like chit-chat, right? And he's always going forward. And we're already, like, he's already spent money on the cover. Like, the graphic designers had the cover. We're almost ready to approve it. He goes, I want to change the, the, the title of the book. And so I just, like, say more. <laughs> And so he went on and talked to him. And so eventually we, we talked about uh, titles for it. And eventually it became engaging virtual meetings. And it's, yeah, I saw his eyes light up like mine lit up as an entrepreneur, which is there's maybe 10% of your listeners who care about virtual team building. But there's 100% of your listeners who have to care about virtual meetings unless they are like completely of that. I'm going on staying analog, you know, I'm on an island, whatever. But the rest of the world, right, 80, 90% have to do this. And so that's after that, this whole progression of engaging virtual meetings is starting to gain some of its own momentum. And the book really details some of these things that we talk about. We talk about a six-step system to help make your meetings engaging. Um, and I, I really highly concentrated on um, Zoom and Teams, the, probably the two leaders right now in virtual virtual, but you can, no matter what platform you're leading, uh, um, uh, meeting on, that you can use principles inside the book. And it goes from, uh, again, the core principles to openers, closers, and actual activities that you can learn and lead with your group. And so what's the reception, it's, it's, what's the reception so far? And, and what are we, what are we expecting from it? People hate it. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Uh, I actually, we surveyed and there, a lot of books I did see come out pre during coronavirus, but a lot of them are very thin guides like Dummy's Guide to Zoom. Yeah. yeah. So there's not a complete, there's not yet a complete tome to like this thing. So, so that's the good news. And the second part is, is, um, uh, 
I, I think I can disclose this now that that um, the early sales I've been pre-selling ever since we got it up um, on Amazon and and, and uh, Goodreads. I support all the independent bookstores, um, and so uh, Barnes and Noble picked up a thousand book order. Really, and I've already pre-sold very close to five hundred books. And I'm actually getting a thousand. A thousand books right now are en route to my house, and they're going to get dropped in my garage. And we built a shipping station in my house to send them all out. Well, you're about to be in a new business to get those all sent out of there. So that's yeah. But that's exciting. I mean, I think it's yeah. it's really cool to see because I know your your business has been uh, sort of the opposite of this. I mean, you know, team building, physical team building, and you have been obsessed with the art and science of engagement, and and the world sort of showed up with. Uh, in person's not a thing, and, and luckily, you had uh, an awareness of that passion for the art and science of engagement. Period. Engagement between individuals. Because I, I, I had somebody on, um, and I, I don't know if she'll be published. No, you'll, you're going to beat her out in terms of publication. But I, uh, I had somebody on who has a, a, a business around sleep. Oh yeah, she has a sleep store. Like nap, it's actually called the nap bar, and so you go in and you and you get a nap for for a fee. <laughs> and uh, but as it turns out, the, is, this was not some uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's sort of opportunistic. Hey, we're just, people need naps in the mall. Yeah. This is this is a result of several years of study on the importance of better sleep, better sleep habits. And when she was taking naps in her car because napping was important to her performance and success, and she wants to sleep better at night too. And so she, people can't come to her nap bar, but she cares about sleep. And so all she has to do is say, well, what other things can we do and sell that are about sleep? And so she just started selling gift boxes and things about how to get better sleep. And it's like, they're, they're sold out. Because having this sense of, of purpose, as opposed to just having like a thing you sell or a thing you do. And so that's you. You're, you're obsessed with the art and science of engagement and, and what goes on in teams and, and collaboration and how that fits into it. And so, uh, and so now you've got this, this opportunity. Say a little bit more about your passion around engagement. Because, I mean, you said something to me before about uh, I can, uh, after all these videos, we, we, can, we can distill down the critical moments of truth in team, in team building about where things succeed and fail. I can, I can just observe your, your teams and figure out where they're going to fail to collaborate and fail to succeed. Just, that's a totally different direction. But I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. So this is my 23rd year and my specialty is team building. So I specifically chose the complexity of team building too, because like, uh, you know, coaching is one thing you get to do one-on-one, but the dynamics around a team are infinitesimally complex. Every time you add and remove a team member, I mean, it gets exponentially more difficult to understand what's happening with your group and your team. And I think it's a problem that people have. And so, uh, so that's why I've been obsessed with, with team building. And then an engagement, I fell in love with experiential learning, right? I, I spent a lot of time going through a lot of leadership programs. I also went through a lot of Anthony Robbins programs, which has a big experiential core component to it. I also spent a lot of time with the Association of Experiential Education. I'm going to give a shout out to my, uh, one of the grandfathers, literally, of, of experiential education. His name was Carl Ronke. He passed away uh, last week, and um, he's the one. I saw him do three and a half hours of engagement with the whole group, and there were no props, he he just put me to shame. Like I've got to have all these props now. I feel like I got to have a phone and a GPS and a you know PDA or whatever it used to be at the time. But he was just amazing. He he really showed me that it was about the thing that you're talking about here. It's around engagement. 
we're humans and so what are the things that we can do to engage around that and um, so I've always looked for for initiatives and things that work and they work universally meaning that um, some of these initiatives that I do online we've tested over a hundred or more times and those dynamics are almost guaranteed to come out um, because people have patterns that's what's amazing oh yeah yeah so uh, let me make sure I get to this video place but let me give these other thing and talking about people with patterns one of the most important things I feel like I discovered in the last 23 years is the law of uh, 80 19 and 1 so have you heard of this no okay so a lot of 80 19 and 1 says this so in a scenario where there are multiple teams okay let's say there's six teams um, there's two goals the teams are competing against each other for high score but there's also a goal that the teams, because they work for the same company, should work together to try and achieve a company goal. So does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so given those two goals, here's what normally happens. 80% of the time, I told them they should work together, but they don't have any of that. They, like, teams walk off, right? Teams, like, to ask to help another team, and they tell them to go F off, right? And so so it's just, like, nobody works with each other. Every team operates for themselves because they – I put them into teams, and, and they, they just, you know, did their own thing. 19% of the team to get, um, has at least two teams that work together. So two teams say, hey, Mark, we know each other. Let's share information, and, and well, let's try and beat the others because we're going to collaborate. Okay. But here's the real secret. What's the one? Out of uh, 2,300 programs, only nine have ever scored the highest score possible in this simulation. And they take all the revenue off the course. This is my Microsoft training. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they take all the revenue course and, and the, the, only 19. So that's less than one half of 1% who have learned to collaborate uh, with each other well enough to score the maximum. And at first I used to think, I'm really clever. And then I started to think, I'm going to have a job for a long time. <laughs> but in the last three or four years, there hasn't been a team that has solved this challenge in the last six years, Mark. People, the world as a whole is getting worse at collaboration, not better. And I think this year shows that. What do you see that, that points to that? People aren't working together. Okay, let's take something political. We said we weren't going to go political, but let's take something very easy and political, which is a mask, right? Uh, so so uh, I know someone who's a cancer research nurse who worked with HIV. So uh, my dad's a doctor. My mom's a nurse. So again, I'm not a doctor. I play one on TV or on podcasts, but I do understand how viruses work, which is like a virus gets transmitted. It gets you know into somebody else and then starts doing stuff. So a mask scientifically works. And I think we have enough data to show that. But now, you know, and so if we all work together, everyone takes a mask, you can actually kind of get rid of coronavirus and then you can actually take your mask off. Did you know that in Taiwan, right? I have a friend from Taiwan. He called me up and I, I just checking in with him. I'm like, hey, what'd you do? And he goes, oh, yesterday I did a 25 person f- meeting face to face with no masks and i'm like what and he goes wait that's not it he goes my son my guess what my son did last night and i go what and he goes he went clubbing last night without a mask and i'm like what and i'm like what? he goes dude dude don't worry like we're in taiwan they for that time they hadn't had cases in 30 days so now you can actually take all the masks off Right, because there's currently no coronavirus in Taiwan, uh, and they could take it off and then start to reopen. 
that, that was a country that worked together. And Taiwan traditionally, as T for me, in my research, has been a, a country, and the team building I've done there is a country that has worked, still has that team and collaborative mindset. Does that make sense? So, yeah. Is it, is it cultural unity? It doesn't have to be cultural unity, but it has to be some form of unity. Just if it's culture, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. If it's company, that's fine. If it's humanity, that's fine. It's but it's got to be something. So that's interesting. I mean, this gets pretty deep, pretty fast because I, I do think that uh, humanity tends to want to create teams. It's just a normal thing that we want an enemy. We want we we sense our unity with our homogeny, and there's anotherness that's always sort of in the human psyche. Yeah, and. and um, and it's just really, I think you're right. There's, it's interesting. Most people will not dispute a sense of aggressive teamsmanship that's going on in the United States today. And so that's interesting that if those that were able to find some sense of collaboration. And I think that, I think there was a moment, right? I mean, whenever like a hurricane hits the, the Gulf Coast or something happens, everybody just sort of drops their barriers and everybody works together. And when the first, you know, weeks of, of coronavirus, it did seem like there was a sense of unity. And then I think there were, and actually I'm recalling now there was a, there was a little bit of pride in the government uh, working together nonpartisan, getting, a, getting those first bills out. I mean, this is not a part political thing. Wow. What a difference today. That is not, <laughs> That is not how it feels when you when you listen to the debates. It is not unified. No, and, and so this kind of gets me to my other piece. Um, since you since you asked about it, is that um, so? Groups have have people have patterns, and something that's important. So so have you read? Um, did you read Blink? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm for a those big, who big yeah. Malcolm Gladwell fan for sure. Oh yeah, me too. So so for those who haven't read Blink, read it. And what it says is that that one of the things that we do great as humans is that we make these snap judgments, which is we take our life experience and that we can see things that that we've taken the time to do, and that we can make you know judgments around it that science might figure out later, and sometimes science is wrong about. But that's that's really the key. And so, anyways, it, it, it's really a good read for that. So one of the things is is um, I like to tell people is that. I blink teams. And mm. what, I, what I mean by that is I can watch a team for a very short and limited amount of time, and I can start to tell you things about it. So, for instance, right, uh, I have people make a team name and a team chair in my programs. Now, you can give me the corporate eye roll going, oh, God, I have to do that. I have to wear a bandana or a sticker or something. But here's the reason why. I tell them before they go this process, I said, this the thing that you're going to do is probably the most important thing that you'll do as a team. Number one, it's the first thing you do together as a team and will di- dictate your process. The second part is through my training, right, after everyone comes and tells us their team name and team chairs, uh, we actually, everyone in my group, and sometimes the people who organize, we all guess who we think is going to win the program. And I'm 80% right. <laughs> Just based on the name. Is it the name or is it, how, is it you watch how they decide together? Oh, I watch how they decide mm. uh, as part of it. But the last part is, is how they display it. And it's hard. But after a while, you notice patterns with that. And, and that's part of this patterns that you got into. So, so what I did uh, pre-COVID, too, is I would run these team-building events. One was based on geocaching. It's a high-tech scavenger hunt with GPS receivers. It's really fun. People like it. Um, but the key is that we put GoPros on all the, the, the teams. And then if you pay the extra money, we'll go through and review the GoPro, and I'll take 60 minutes of action and boil it usually down to three or four minutes of the critical items. And this actually gets onto one of the pieces that you talked about earlier. So then I would review it with the executive team. And again, that's how I can see 
why your team won, Mark, right? And maybe somebody else's teams, what coaching they need. Because in that video analysis, it all tells them. So here's, a, here's an easy one. Uh, talk about it on the research. Um, I think you and I can agree that great teams communicate. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, great. So here's my observation. The winning teams never shut up. I'm hmm. serious. I've seen it. I can run my video files now through an audio analyzer and I get like a number, like how much of the time are they talking? And if it's 80% or more, it's most likely a high, uh, high functioning and high performing and usually one of the top teams, if not a winning team. But I have documented now more than collection of times, teams that go quiet for one, two, five, 10, 20 minutes, they're the losing teams. They're at the bottom. They give up on each other. They stop talking. If you're a manager listening to this podcast right now and your team has stopped talking, panic. Wow. That's, that's pretty insightful. That's very insightful and easy to notice. Especially on Zoom. No-brainer. That's, this is the engagement part. If your group is not talking to you, number one, we just go back and do all the stuff. They, first, they don't feel safe. And number two, you don't have a high-performing team unless they are so magnetically connected to each other that they're um, non-verbally communicating, right? Like a sports team, is, they're communicating. They're just doing it non-verbally, like, like the alley-oop pass, right? Somebody throws the ball, not even looking, the other person gets it. But for the rest of the world, if your team stopped talking, you're in deep, deep, deep trouble. Well, so I think you can boil it down to communication. Like if you have, you have to communicate constantly on the language you understand. If your team has worked really well together, you don't need as much verbal communication. You can communicate more efficiently other ways. But if you just met, it's going to be words. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And like, like, again, Mark, I think you've been on those teams. When you get those shortcuts and you work with people who get you, it's sometimes it's that look. This is why video is so important. Video is transmitting all these nonverbal cues to like, is, is John engaged or is he falling asleep during this interview, right? It's like, is he energetic? Is he actually bringing energy? Yeah. Or, or is he just kind of giving you all his meh points? <laughs> right. Yeah, man. So it's engagement for sure. And you were engaged. You've been engaged this whole time. Yeah. Uh, I want to make sure we land this on a, on a good point. So, you know, okay. what else do you want to share about engagement? And I want to wrap us up with what your most passionate plea is for entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial leaders right now. Okay. So tips and passionate pleas for entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. Tips. Let me think. Engagement and backdrop. I'm trying to think of it. So, so the funny part is that we have a six letter here. I'll give the short version of the six letter piece. And so this is what I'm going through in my head. Uh, it says engage. So I, now I actually, hopefully as a monomic that I can remember it. Uh, e is engage and interact with every attendee. Start every meeting with a plan to engage everybody. It could be chat. It could be poll. It could be anything, right? It doesn't have to take very long. We've had teams of 20 check in in under a minute, right? If you, if you train the team that you can do it. Okay. E, uh, N, Oh, and never lead a meeting alone, right? Uh, if you're on Zoom, is it like ne the shortcut is never Zoom alone. If you have a high value meeting, get a producer, right? Get somebody okay. who's going to help you. So the you as the host or you as the speaker can spend your time focusing on the audience. Let that other person focus on the chat, and people will miraculously feel engaged. 
Okay, so and never leave me alone. E N G. Good looks. So that's we talked about backgrounds, backdrops, audios. So that's G. Good looks. A. Oh, air traffic control. Look, Mark and I have done an amazing job of not talking over each other. So it sounds like a friggin' debate you might have listened to. <laughs> Right, and that's because Mark and I like each other, right? And we also, yeah, it's good. And so, but air traffic control when your meeting gets big, like twelve fourteen, is is you need to create a system so that people aren't talking over each other. If you have one of those meetings, you need to fix that now. Uh, G is get productive with virtual tools. So look at all the tools available to you. Start with all the stuff in your system. Then, if you necessary, go out of the system. Uh, and I've shown simultaneously doc editing, for instance, uh, in my programs. Uh, Mark was a part of um, uh, twelve people wrote a poem in eight minutes. Yeah, you know, and it's cool. So it's, it's when they figure it out, like all the the cursors are moving simultaneously. That's a part where it's better, Mark. That right, you can write a whole yeah. case study yeah. together and simultaneously. So G, and the last one is E is end on a high note, which is now I think getting us to our last point: passionate plea for entrepreneurs. If you're an entrepreneur and you're listening to this podcast and you've listened to this long, number one. Pat yourself on the back because you're on the top 10%. I'm pretty sure Mark has the statistics for listening times on his podcast. But if you got here, you're in the promised land. And the promised <laughs> land says you really want, you have it inside of you. You have a desire to be better in what it is that you do. And one of the areas since we're talking about it is virtual meetings. And if you were the leader of a virtual meetings, uh, I love what, what my friend said, uh, you know, again, they, they are doing things around BLM and they came around and they said, one of the most simple things that you can do is do something. Don't end this podcast without committing and actually doing something. It could be any of the, I don't care which tip it is, right? But like Mark said, schedule right now, 30 minutes to improve your backdrop. Schedule 30 minutes to go buy a new mic and figure out how to freaking use it, right? Schedule 30 minutes to move your furniture or actually move your laptop somewhere or go meet outside or do something. Schedule 30 minutes or change your meeting system to give you 15-minute blocks with a 10-minute break so you feel fresh. Whatever it is, find the tip that works for you and do it. And don't just do it for yourself. You'll find you'll do it for the customers that you work with. And most importantly, right, if you're an entrepreneur with a team, your team will start to appreciate it. And they will also, this is why leadership is so important. What you display and what you do will secretly bleed over. And most of all, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to tell anybody to do anything. They'll just do it because they go, oh, that was better. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to do, I'm going to decide to do that better myself. And that's actually, Mark, I think we can close this one piece on change. While people hate change and resist change, I'll give you this example. So have you ever done that stupid team building event where you have the foot things and four people have to walk at the same time to get somewhere? I don't think I have. Hmm. It's called trolleys, okay? So what happens is, is it's a great metaphor, which is like you have three people, like four people, and you have to learn to step right and left at the same time. Mm-hmm. If, you're, okay. if you're out of sync, you don't go anywhere. 
But I ran this at a Microsoft event, and it was in a ballroom. And so I t- marked out two pieces of tape where they're supposed to go to, and it was shorter than it normally is. So this one team figured out a solution, which is the two boards that we had were the right length, where you could stick one board out, walk over holding the other board, and drop the second board. And now you can run across. If you can like run across a two-by-four, <laughs> you can run across and run back. And people did it 10 times faster. The other three teams looked at that, and they first looked at me going, are they cheating? <laughs> right, right, right. And I just put my hands up like this, going because it didn't break any rules that I gave. And so all three other teams did the exact same thing without asking permission. Without it, they just changed. They yeah. just changed. So when you do something obvious, people will change, especially if it's better. That's yeah. I, I've experienced that problem. You talk about the dynamic of teams. And how hard it is when one person moves in and out. And what really highlighted for me that uh, that issue of the unwritten rules. I, I, I lead an exercise that you've probably done a hundred times with uh, where you, you put the, the the dowel on people's fingers and you say lower it to the ground and it, and it goes up. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. And so what I learned from that and what I teach from that is there's a whole bunch of unwritten rules, unspoken rules that we're all obeying, and you don't even know they're there. And and you've got a. And if you if I gave you three rules, why are you following ten? <laughs> I only gave you three. And so when we've got virtual meetings and engagement in a new world in a disrupted world, we're following like a hundred rules for meetings. And and there's and those rules aren't there. Like, can you have a breakout room? Like, well, only if you know how. <laughs> so if you if you know if if you know so you know can can you take some time to make your meeting room a little bit better? I don't know. You, you can. <laughs> You can you can you can you can take that picture off the wall. You yes. can do that. You could. That's that's an unwritten rule that you could break. Uh, you could take a few extra minutes to, to learn how to record. You could uh, you could do a few things. So I think the whole takeaway from this is um, don't blame the meeting. Don't blame the meeting. Don't blame the world. Own it. Figure out how to raise your game as with the pieces you've got access to. You're starting with your chair, moving onto the wall, moving onto the computer and the technology you're using in your view, your mindset, uh, and maybe even your ability to walk around while you're having a meeting and taking a break between meetings. I think, you know, look, look inward. That's, that's kind of my takeaway. And it's been a total light bulb for me. I really appreciate you because you and I had conversations about this and I did not expect that to be my takeaway. Wow. Well, that's what, you know what, and what I love about this whole podcast, you know, is every time we think we're doing it right, you find that you're doing it wrong. And then when you find that out, you discover something even better. Yeah. Yeah. That's the good news, right? It's the whole, yeah. the obstacle is the way, you know, seek, you know, <laughs> I'm sure I'm misquoting because I don't even, I haven't read any of his stuff, <laughs> just the titles. <laughs> Mark and I will lead an existential podcast on the next episode of You're Doing It Wrong. <laughs> we'll we'll meditate in a community format and there will be no speaking so it'll be uh it'll be very good very entertaining it'll be silent candles uh, that should be our first video episode it's with the candle and no speaking nothing well john man i'm super grateful for the time together and uh i i we got to wrap this up and you you got to get on and and uh, and i just so, like i said so grateful for all you shared we've covered a ton uh, unexpected things if somebody wants to continue the conversation with you um, in, in any of the realms of your expertise, any form of engagement, uh, physical, virtual meetings, uh, you know, all those kind of things, how does somebody find you and, uh, and connect? 
Yeah, thanks for asking, Mark. Uh, engagingvirtualmeetings.com. Again, engagingvirtualmeetings. No spaces, all lowercase. Engagingvirtualmeetings.com. And I'm excited. We're going to have our first uh, conference October 23rd through the 24th. If you see it afterwards, actually, the, the video replays are going to be available. But I have nine of the top virtual speakers in the world. And so you're not going to learn my takes on it. I have eight other amazing friends who are using some of these techniques, but in totally different ways. Like, I'll give you an example. One of my friends, Jimbo Clark, created the breakout room of one. Yeah, yeah, you shared that. That's such a cool concept. Yeah, so the breakout room of one is he gave an assignment for you to think about something and put everybody in their own breakout room so they couldn't be distracted for two minutes so they would think about the question. Oh, hilarious. Didn't think about that. Didn't think about that. Yeah, that's it. It's something you don't have access to. If you're in the meeting room with people, everybody don't talk. No, shush. (laughs) Like, how many times I do that? Okay, guys, take five quiet minutes. And I'll be like, did I forget to write quiet? Because it's not quiet. <laughs> and so with the virtual, uh, with the breaker up meeting uh, of one, <laughs> you're yeah, quiet. It will work, Mark. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay, so that's it for today. I appreciate this. We're going we're gonna to get the link to the conference. I'm glad you shared that. The link to the conference will be out there. It'll be on the, uh, in the show notes. Uh, we'll get all of your contact information out in the show notes as well. So if you can't, if you can't remember anything that, uh, that, that John said, we'll have web links and whatever contact information you want there. Uh, and of course, please subscribe and share with your friends. If this meeting, uh, if this meeting, listen to me, if this content, <laughs> if this content has been valuable to you or if you know somebody else, that would find value in it please get in their hands it's not it's not useful if they don't know about it so uh we love the feedback so thanks so much we will see you next time on you're doing it wrong with me mark henderson leary this is you're doing it wrong with mark henderson leary for more episodes and to subscribe go to leary.cc